0: Grace and mercy and peace are yours, from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A lesson for our sermon this morning comes from the book of Revelation, the second last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city. or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost, from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of our Lord. Homesick for heaven. A stranger in a foreign land. Are these ways that people in your life would look at you and describe you? They, they would look at your life and say, they don't really belong here, do they? <laughs> they're looking to for and something greater. They're, they're just not quite comfortable here in this life. <clears throat> Homesick for heaven. A, a stranger in a foreign country. Is this the way that people in your life would look at you and describe you? It should be, shouldn't it? This is the way that the world should look at us, the people in our lives should look at us and say, they're not comfortable here. They're not fully content here. This is not where their hope is. This is not where their joy is. They're longing for something far better. If you've ever been accused of that, embrace that, please. Please. Because that is who we are as Christians. We are strangers here. Heaven is our home. We are aliens in a foreign land. This is kind of reality. I mean, it's real, but this isn't really real. This is not the way things are supposed to be. This is not really our home. The reality is found in Christ. The reality is to be with God. That is what is true. That is what we really long for. Because what this earthly life really is about, and this earthly life is important, don't get me wrong. But what this this earthly life is really about is getting ready for the next one. That's the goal of this life. To be ready for the life that's to come. And so if you accused you of being more focused on the afterlife than this life, embrace it, own it, be okay with that, because that's what this life is really about, and that means you get it. That's why the goal of Christian parents is not so much about giving their children a happy life here on this earth, but making sure they know their Savior Jesus for their eternal life. That's why grandparents are on their knees daily for their grandkids. That they would know Jesus and hold on to them and be with them in heaven someday. It's why more than a Christian spouse being a good Christian spouse, and that's important, is that they're constantly encouraging and pushing each other back to Jesus. Because more than anything, yeah, they want a happy marriage, but more than anything, they want to be in heaven together someday. It's why a Christian friend will say hard things to a Christian friend. Because they love them. And they want to lead them to repentance because they want to be in heaven with them someday. You see, that's what this life is all about. It's about getting ready for the life to come and making sure everyone around us is too. We want to be of the saints triumphant, that's our goal. That's the end. To be with those who have come through this valley of the shadow of death and are now in that eternal light forever, in the presence of God forever, to be among those saints triumphant. That's our goal. And we are saints right now, no doubt about it. Through Christ, we are saints. We are holy in the sight of God, washed clean of all of our sins in that blood of Jesus Christ. You are saints right now, but you are not yet triumphant. You are militant. You are fighting. You are struggling. You are battling. The war is still fierce. It's raging against you, against your soul. But holding on to that rock of Christ as the saints militant, Our goal is to be of the saints triumphant in heaven. And that's why these sections that we have in our scriptures and that we have before us today and why a Sunday, like All Saints Sunday, it is so important to keep our focus, to remember what this is all about, to remember what reality really is, and have this beautiful, beautiful, Description of what the saints triumphant are now enjoying and what we will get to enjoy by the grace of God here before us in Revelation chapter 21. The hymn that we just sang, Jerusalem the Golden, I have trouble getting through that one without the tears welling up. It was written about 175 years ago. It's an old hymn. But the words actually come from a poem written almost 900 years ago. But they're based on this section right here in front of us, Revelation chapter 21. Words that were recorded about 1,900 years ago in this vision given to St. John by Jesus himself. And all throughout the book of Revelation, there's been these pictures of of the end times, of, of what the church is going to face as the church militant. But yet also these beautiful pictures of the church triumphant. Of how, though we struggle now, the victory's already won in Christ. And what we have to look forward to. And what those who have gone ahead of us are now getting to enjoy. And we have this beautiful description. And we just sang in the hymn, Jerusalem the Golden. We sang, what joys await us there. But in the words of that song... What we actually saying were, I know not. Oh, I know not what joys await us there. Because the joys that await us there really are, are, are beyond comprehension. They're really inconceivable to our human minds. We can't understand them really in human terms. The joys that await us there. We can't really fully know them, but... Oh boy, do we have... Some beautiful pictures here, don't we? The Spirit inspires John to write these words for us. To help us to be, just have a foretaste of what's to come. What our loved ones who have gone ahead of us are getting to enjoy. And that we as the saints militant will one day get to enjoy too. The joys that await us there. And each verse of this little section here just shares another another little glimpse of the joy that awaits us there. Just, just go back to Revelation 21. It's printed out for you there in the service folder if you have a Bible open, your Bible or the Pew Bible. Here it says in verse 1, we have something new waiting for us. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Something new is waiting for us. We, we love, well, most of us love new things, right? The new car, which has all the bells and whistles, right? Runs perfectly, doesn't give you any trouble, right? The, the new baby, we love the new little babies, right? They're so cute, and, and even the hardest person is melted by a little cute little baby, right? That new newborn. Hey, and sometimes it's even the more simple things. I love a new jar of peanut butter, Anyone else with me? Right? You open it up, right? The sound of that top coming off and that first spoonful or fingerful Right? You dip in there and right, it just tastes so good. Untouched. Right? We love things that are new. But the problem is that everything new in this life immediately becomes old. As soon as you drive that car off the lot, its value just decreased by half. Well, maybe these days a little bit more than that, but it's not new anymore. As soon as that baby takes its first breath in this life, the aging process begins. Everything in this life that's new starts to get old. And it's been that way since the fall into sin, hasn't it? When everything was new, and everything was perfect, and then that fall into sin. And ever since then, everything has been tainted by sin, and everything has been decaying and getting older and older and older. And the promise here, what we have to look forward to, the joy that awaits us there is something new, something that never gets old, something you will never get sick of, something that will never decay, something that will be perfect forever. What joy awaits us there. John goes on. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Here we have the picture of this bride being brought to her groom. And this It's helpful to to know the context of the rest of the scripture where we see this picture coming up, Old Testament and New. And what this is talking about is the Holy Christian Church someday gathered all together again. Because right now, we're not together, right? There's the Holy Christian Church in heaven, the church triumphant, there's the Holy Christian Church here still on earth, the church militant, but one day, we will all be gathered together, united with our loved ones who have gone ahead of us. United with every believer of all time in Jesus Christ. Perfect unity. A bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Oh, what joy awaits us there when all of the divisions and all of the things that separate us here in this life, even death that separates us from the church triumphant right now, that will all be gone. What joys await us there. He goes on. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The truth is right now, there is a separation between us and God. Now now we do get to come into God's presence. We do have a way for him to come near to us. But he's got to hide himself. And he chooses to hide himself behind words and water and bread and wine. I mean, this is where we get to come and, and, and be with God and, and be in God's presence. But he hides himself behind these things because if God were to appear to us and and maybe you've thought that before I know a lot of people in our world Right? if God would just appear to me then I would believe in him but the fact is if God would appear to you you'd be annihilated because he is holy and you are not in your sinful flesh you would be completely destroyed if you were in the presence of the almighty power and majesty of God And so really, it's an act of mercy that God does hide himself and does not appear to you. But friends, someday that that veil is going to be removed. God will not hide himself behind words and elements anymore. We will be with our God. And he will be with us. He will be our God and we will be His people. Right, John, it's, it's, he's having trouble putting it into words here, isn't he? in the human words? He's just kind of going around in a circle. He will dwell with us and we will dwell with Him. He will be with us and He will be our God. Friends, you will get to see God. You will get to be in His presence. Right, Job, Job writes, right, in, in his suffering, as he's going through all of the struggle, he is a saint militant, no doubt about it in his life. The words we know so well of that Easter hymn. Right, that after, he says, after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, with my own eyes, I will see him because I know that my Redeemer lives. And that I will get to see him in, with my own eyes. Friends, that is the joy that is awaiting you, that you will be in the very presence of God. And here we get a little foretaste of that. Here we come and we gather, and here is this little foretaste of heaven as we gather with the church, as we come to this table, and as we say in one of our communion prayers that this is a foretaste of the heavenly. In Jesus' body and blood, but just a taste of what is to come to be in that presence of God with Him in perfect communion forever. What joy awaits us there. John goes on. He comes to this section that I like to call the No Mores. It says that He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. These things that this life is just full of mourning, pain, tears, death it's going to be all gone. No more. No more of these things that are just part of our life here in this world, in this valley of the shadow of death. No more of this this, this experience that we have as the saints militant who are struggling and fighting. We're trying to just keep on keeping on. All of these things that make us sad, all of these things that make us afraid, all of these things that separate us will be gone. No more. And God himself is, will wipe away every tear from our eyes. It is God himself who will come to you and comfort you and give you his unending peace. (sighs) What joys await us there. He goes on and says that at the end of our lesson, right at the end of verse 6, he says, to the thirsty I will give water without cost, from the spring of the water of life. Friends, this is the promise that the joys that await us there will never end. That whenever you feel thirsty, there's the spring of the living water to satisfy you forever. And that's just incomprehensible, isn't it? That it lasts forever, that it will never end. That these joys that are awaiting you there will never stop. Can't comprehend it, but we long for it, don't we? The Spirit led Solomon to write many, many years before John in Ecclesiastes that God has set eternity in our hearts. Right? We, we can't understand eternity, but God has given us this longing for it. For the end of endings. <laughs> For these things, right? You just, just think about the, the joys that you enjoy right now in this life. Right? That you get to, 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 to experience, they all end. Uh, la- last night uh, was game six of the World Series. I don't know if anyone else watched it. I, I didn't really have a horse in the race at all. Um, but I, I like to watch the World Series because I'm a baseball fan. But I got to tune into the last couple of innings, and, and the Houston Astros beat the Philadelphia philadelphia phillies if you didn't see it but as they recorded the last out as that glove was squeezed on that ball to see the joy in those men's faces grown men running around jumping up and down hugging each other just these this look of pure joy on their faces but that joy is going to end They'll have a celebration. They'll have a parade down in Houston. The joy will continue for a little while, but you know what? Very soon, by next week, it's going to be already looking forward to next season and hopefully next World Series. Or maybe it's going to be a losing season, or maybe it's going to be an injury for one of the players. That joy is not going to continue that they experienced last night. But the joy in heaven that is awaiting you will never end. It will be that elation, that joy forever and ever and ever, every moment for eternity. <sighs> what joys await us there. I mean, all of this, you just, just in these few verses, this beautiful description of what those saints triumphant, that those loved ones of ours who have gone ahead of us, uh, that are, they're getting to enjoy and, and, and that we long for, it's almost impossible to believe, isn't it? I mean, how can this be? John tells us, says in verse 5, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. How do we know? How can we be certain? Even though we know not really what these joys that await us are, how can we know that they are ours? Because the one who sits on the throne says they are. Because he says, Write them down. These words are not true. Nothing out of his mouth cannot be accomplished. All of it must be fulfilled. Every single word will be. He says, This is true. And it is already as good as done. And he says the one who speaks these words is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The God from eternity and into eternity. The almighty, all-powerful God. And you know who this really is, sitting on the throne? It's God. But the Alpha and the Omega, we learn from the beginning of Revelation, is Jesus himself. The one who says these words, the one who shows John this picture, The one who tries to help us understand and just begin to grasp these joys that await us there is the one who set joy aside. So he could come to this earth and live the life you can't. To die the death you deserve, to suffer hell so you'd never have to taste it for a moment. The one who rose from the dead to assure you that life after the grave is certainly and truly and most certainly yours. It's Jesus himself, your savior, your substitute, your friend, your brother, who says that these words are trustworthy and true and this is yours. Friends, if people accuse you of being more focused on the afterlife than this life, good. If other parents notice that you're more concerned about your kid's spiritual life than their sports life, good. If you, as grandparents, your knees are getting sore because you're praying fervently for your grandchildren, that they would know Jesus and remain in Jesus and be in heaven with you, good. Good. If your spouse knows you more for a Christ-like love and forgiveness than the financial contributions and happiness you bring to their earthly life, good. And if that friend knows you for being humbly and lovingly honest with them, rather than just tiptoeing around them and not saying anything about their sins, good. Because this life is all about getting ready for the next and the joys that await us there. And helping others around us to get to experience that, too. Friends, if your life is reflecting that this life is not really all this is about, good. Remember those who have gone ahead of you. Remember those who are now of the saints triumphant in the example that they left for you. And now is the saints militant. Struggle. Battle. Battle. Go to war with Christ as your anchor, as your shield, as your peace. Keep your focus. Cling to Christ. Long for those joys that await you there. and God will keep us in that and fulfill his promise to you. Amen.